Welcome to the CSRG Podcast. My name is Chris. My name is Keanu. This week we're talking about shooting on the move. So why do we want to shoot on the move? For one, I think it saves time, which means an increased hit factor. Yep, and you know, as you guys know, for USPSA scoring, you're pretty much looking at the points you hit as divided by the time that it takes you to shoot it. Um, one thing that we do see with lower level shooters, especially C-class shooters, you know, I was doing this probably about a year ago, is that we always plan our stage plans around shooting positions. So what this means is uh, after the draw, we think about, all right, where's position one where I can take, you know, four or five targets, hit a reload run to another position, hit the other four or five targets, especially if you're shooting production. Um, but as you get to a higher level and you're looking for higher hit factors, essentially what you want to be doing is shooting on the move. Yep. I wouldn't even go to say it's only lower, lower level shooters. It's just shooters who haven't seen the time difference, people who have never done it or have never shot with people who've never done it before. So, like, you know, they don't, they don't understand the difference. And when you're shooting on the move, like, we'll talk about it later, you don't feel a difference. It doesn't feel like it's not perceived any differently. But it's, it's definitely faster, mm-hmm. period. If you can get your hits and everything, it's going to be a net benefit, especially on, you know, assuming you engage the targets that are worth shooting on the move and not the ones that you're just going to blow by at 15 yards, you know, with no shoots halfway up them. So it's... I, so, like I said, I, I wouldn't go to say it's just lower-level shooters. It's definitely just people in general who haven't seen or experienced the benefits of shooting on the move. So they haven't really gotten a chance to give it a go, right? Yeah, yeah. And, you know, if, for us, the goal of shooting a stage is to get from the start to the end as fast as possible while maximizing our points. Uh, the caveat that we are going to throw uh, for this particular episode is that this is still a skill that we're both working on. Um, and so, you know, we're going to be giving you the tips and tricks that we currently use, but there's always room for improvement for us, so we're also looking to learn as well. Yeah, and I think especially in the last year, we've both come a really long way in terms of this because I think just last year I was throwing mics on targets at, you know, 10 yards on the move or something, but now it's, it's a pretty easy thing to do for me. Yeah. and Like for- once you get into the intricacies of it and like once you understand the process of doing it, so, you know, like instead of just, you know, going by blasting targets, stuff like that. Yeah, and for me, you know, I started shooting single stack was my first division that I shot uh, when I first started USPSA. And then I went to production. And, you know, position shooting is really important for this, especially because you're trying to maximize the arrays that you're taking uh, from position to position. Um, But I was doing this even in carry optics and open since last year, and I feel like I've come a long way for this uh, skill as well. Oh, for sure. As an as an open shooter, you've you've like evolved a lot. Mm -hmm. So you you've become a much more aggressive shooter and a lot more fluid too in the last year. Because yeah, I've known you for over a year now. I've been shooting with you regularly for over a year now, and it's it's night and day from Chris last year and Chris this year. It's unbelievable. Yeah, thanks. Appreciate it. <laughs> but, you know, especially shooting open, uh, you're going to be shooting with guys who are blazing fast. Their splits are insane. Their movement's insane. And uh, it's one thing that uh, if you're not working on, especially in open, you're going to be falling behind on the leaderboards uh, as you progress. So it's definitely something that, you know, the higher level shooters are doing and it's something that we can all work on. Yep. And pretty much it's not even just for open shooters, for any, any division, iron sights, um, so production limited, stuff like that. You hear Ben Steger say that shooting on the move is an important skill to have too, and he's a production shooter, um, production world champion. Yeah. And, but, but then you also see people like, um, like John Browning or Shane, or Shane Coley or Chris Tilly when he shoots limited. You, when you see them shoot iron sights, it doesn't make a difference because you, know, you have to shoot on the move anyway to, to, to keep up with the heat. Yeah, it's just fu- a skill you have to have. The fundamentals stay the same whether you're shooting a dot or shooting iron sights. And, uh, you, you know, as you get better at it, you know, I shot Keanu's limited gun the other day 
late last year, I think it was. Um, and you know, yeah, was the sh- other day. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> feels like the other day. Um, but I was shooting on the move with the uh, iron sight gun. I usually don't shoot iron sights. I'm really bad no, at and them. And you had actually like no issue at all. You, yeah. It, it came to you just like it would come shooting a dot. Yep. It was just a little bit slower again because you know tracking that front sight. But uh, yeah, we're gonna we're gonna pretty much talk about you know when we're gonna be shooting on the move, how to do so, the drills that will help you and when not to. Yeah. So, so when do you want to do it? Um, I think the easiest time to shoot on the move is on open targets in arrays where you're essentially blasting, almost like an L-Prez target presentation. Um, this is generally, uh, we, we think of this in, as, I guess, from an entry and an exit position or, or a thought process. So when you're thinking about an entry, especially on these open targets, it's really easy to save some time when you're running to the next position to get the gun up early and start, you know, take your two shots at that first open target. Uh, what that'll let you do is you're going to be in position, you're going to have shot the first target, it would have given you an opportunity to find your front sight or find your dot, and you're already indexed to have a fast transition for your eyes and for your gun to the next target. Yeah, so basically, like I think the way both of us perceive shooting on the move is, it's we view it as a blended position, or two blended positions, but in one position, right? Because it's it's a flow of an entry, the in between where you're shoot where you're kind of shooting out into the next target, and then the actual exit of that position, right? Yeah. So it's it's not just something you you know you see it you see three targets run as fast as you can waste them all and then run away right so you so you still have to go through the process of you you know you you want to decelerate and you're gonna want to you know track the sights and do all that stuff like you would normally do through a position the only difference is you're not gonna post up on the middle targets you know on the ones that, that are in between the entry and the exit target yeah and I, like I think a lot of people don't appreciate the amount of time you're saving by not posting up. Because how much time does that cost? Like, reasonably, you probably think like up to a second yeah, to would, get a gun up and stop. I right? would say reasonably it'd be about a second. Um, you know, a second for entry and a second for exit. For sure. Yeah. Um, and you know this, you know, when you talk about two seconds on a stage, even like a high hit factor stage, that's that's an, that's a lot. It's all. That I, is so much time. And I think from like a point conversion, I think you know a mic. You don't make up a mic on two seconds, right? That's kind of where you're. Yeah. cost benefit becomes so if you think about it for let's say you're shooting four positions on a stage and you're losing two seconds that's a, a lot of points you're dropping for your hit factor yeah for sure i mean because if you think about it in you know in terms of hit factor and you shoot a, a what 30 point array and you do it in you know one and a half seconds versus four seconds that's that's a su- substantial factor in in how it's going to affect your overall stage right yeah and then, you know, other than the entry, uh, you know, we've been ta- talking about the exits as well. Um, and, you know, another good time to shoot on the move is when you're going to be exiting a position. Um, what this is going to do is that it's going to soak up some time when you exit. So if you got a, an open target that's, you know, a reasonable distance away, you can start backing up with your gun up, you know, take your two shots and, you know, exit that position hard. So what that does, though, is it gets your legs moving. Uh, you've got a, you know, a lower position. Your legs are bent and you can get a more fluid and more powerful exit coming out of that position than if you're flat-footed uh, with a good shooting stance where you're sitting there, taking your two shots, and then making a conscious decision to exit that position. Yeah, that's not to say hard exits or explosive exits where you're coming out of flat foot aren't, like they don't have their place. They absolutely do because, you know, on hard exits, you're going to have to, you don't want to risk the points in shooting certain targets or certain um, arrays on the move coming out of a position because it's going to cost you too much time. You're going to overshoot a position or something like that. But uh, I guess we'll get into that in a few, but yeah, overall though, you know, if you're exiting on a position, 
it's it's definitely helpful to kind of flow out. So like if you watch good shooters shoot, people like um, Chris Tilly, Chris Tilly is really good at this. He enters a position, he shoots into it, and then he flows out really, really nicely. So every single um, array that he's shooting at where you would expect to be a flat-footed position really just melds together to be a really, really nice flow of a target or of a target array. And there's really no, there's no, there's very little standing still. You know, it's just a couple targets where he might be standing still. But then the exit's very, very smooth, and he's moving to the next position. He's like halfway there already. Yeah, it's uh, it's quite beautiful watching person for sure. Uh, yep. But speaking of Chris Tilly, so let's get into how to shoot on the move. You know, the fundamentals that we need to focus on. So, um, Chris Tilly, I believe, says get low. Yep, uh, he says you can never get low enough. I think I remember hearing him on the Triangle Tactical podcast a few years ago talking about that, and. Um, he gets. He, you watch him shoot, and it looks like he's trying to like run like a raccoon, trying to shoot on the you know shoot on the move because he's practically elbows on the ground shooting, and he's not a small person either. But he he does a really really good job centering like you know lowering his center of gravity, and I think that is that's something that is vital to shooting on the move because when you lower your center of gravity, you're gonna have more control over yourself and more control over like how what like what's going on around you with your body. Which I think, which has to do with you know your gun positioning too. So you don't want to have your elbows locked out. But I don't think you want to have your elbows locked out anyway, no matter what, how you're shooting. Yeah. <laughs> right. But you want to have the gun pulled in a little bit more because when you're moving and you're constantly shifting your weight, you're going to want to have the gun in closer so that way you have more control over it and that way your elbows act more like shock absorbers instead of just straight planks that are hanging onto the ends of your arms. Yeah, and you know, we, we, when you talk about the elbows bent in a little bit, or I guess bent out, uh, you know, usually when you think about the shock absorbing effect of the elbows, uh, most people are usually talking about the back and forth recoil, to control the recoil. But what this will also do when you bring it in just a little bit tighter when you're shooting on the move, is that it's actually gonna assist on the dot, or I guess for me, the dot bouncing up and down as well while you're moving. So not only is it going to increase the control of the gun, but it's also gonna stabilize it so that you can call your hits better. Yep, iron sights are the same thing because it's gonna affect your return to zero too and how the gun's gonna come back. And then, you know, with, with the foot movements, a lot of us are used to running flat. So, you know, we, we run on flat feet. Kind of like how you how you would sprint if yeah. you think about yeah, sprinting. Yeah, that's so, and like even in the stage though, you, you'd sprint like that, you know, when you're, when you're booking it to one position, from one position to the other. That's, that's how you're gonna run, right? So, yeah. But when you're shooting on the move and when you start to decelerate from a, from a, from a fast sprint, you kind of want to change how you, how you run. So you want to change your foot movement. So instead of a flat-footed run where it's just the... Kind of like your tiptoes, you know, when you sprint, you're just kind of either flat-footed or you're on your tiptoes. Yeah, it's, you want to have a rolling step so you go heel to toe when you roll through the sole of your foot. And what that does is it creates a nice... Like it's it's a smoother it's a smoother effect. It's not going to be as fast. It's because it, you know it's a more methodical. It's a more drawn out step, but it's going to be a smoother um, platform for you to shoot on, as opposed to you know step weight shift step weight shift. So you at least have all that time when you're rolling on um, from your heels to your toes to at least take those shots, as opposed to taking the shots you know in between where your feet are. Yeah, and this will be really easy to try at home. Um, you know. Get your gun while you're dry firing and you know just try going to heel to toe and you'll see how stable the gun is compared to if you're just walking for yeah. example uh yeah but like i guess even at that speed it wouldn't even be walking it'd be kind of stomping through a position and it, yeah. it, it wouldn't be smooth because you're what's what's happening is you're constantly shifting your weight um and then that's going to affect where the gun's going to be sitting 
every single time you pull the trigger, mm -hmm. or at least at least every single time you look at the sights. Yeah, and this really brings up a, the next point that we want to talk about, which is front sight tracking and dot tracking. Uh, one of the biggest risks of shooting on the move is bad hits. Yeah. And so everything that we try to do while shooting on the move is to minimize how much the dot is moving, how much the front sight is moving, so that you can get a clean break on the trigger and get a good hit. Um, so usually what this means is that when you're shooting on the move, uh, especially on targets that are further away, you're going to have slower, uh, slower splits um, because you want to ensure those good hits. Yep, for sure. And then, like, for, for me, I don't know about you, but for the first shot's always the easiest shot when shooting on the move. The second shot is, you know, no matter what level you're shooting at, you're, you have to track the front sight on certain targets and you have to watch where your shots are going to go. Shooting on the move only exacerbates it. Completely. It agree. only makes it so that much harder yeah. you know to, to to get that second shot off cleanly especially because you know since you are bringing the gun in a little bit tighter your stance is a little bit different recoil control is inevitably going to be different so it's something that you do have to practice in live fire um you can dry fire it as much as you want but you know the re the return to zero is going to be a little bit different just because the shooting mechanisms overall are going to be different when you're yeah because you're changing your entire stance right so your arm position is going to be different your your body position is going to be different so everything is changing and then that plus you're moving your body in directions is going to compound any problems that you have. If you can't track a front sight properly and you're trying to shoot on targets at you know 10 to 15 yards, you're not going to be able to do it. Yeah. Yeah. Like you might get you might get lucky just you know point shooting and like looking over the gun just blasting two shots off. Yeah. But it won't be consistent. And you and you know like like we always say in USPSA, we want a consistent repeatable effect that you can do and that's how you win. Yeah, and you know, speaking about you know point shooting and looking over the gun, this is probably the only time where you won't do most of these. Is when uh, I think in a lot of matches you'll see some blaster targets usually over some barrels on a start position. Yeah, over barrels or like quickly through a port or something like that. Yeah, and you know, then you'll at least for me shooting a you know end or shooting major, you know, we could be a little bit more aggressive on these targets because we're essentially going to be point shooting, looking right over the gun, ripping our splits, and yep. then just going straight through that position. You know, we're not doing this heel toe, we're not doing that. We're just actually looking to get out of that position as soon as possible. Yeah, so in, instead of kind of changing, you know, decelerating from a flat-footed sprint to a roll, we'll just kind of keep on flat-footing it. You know, we'll, we'll stomp our way through very quickly and just smash the trigger twice with the gun pointed. And, like, I, I don't know about you, but if you see your dot when you look at these targets, you know, at, like, the, you know, what, two to three-yard range. Yeah, well, it's not even the dot. If I see the, the A zone in my glass, that's usually good enough to Yeah, and I kind of just bring the gun up and I just look over the sights and just smash the trigger twice on these targets. But I, I that's if you can do that enough, you're going to develop a very risky habit of trying to do that on other targets, which you know you obviously don't want to do because it's going to cost you a lot of points. Yeah, and like I, I'm... I can admit I've thrown a mic on a target at five yards just trying to blast through it. Oh, you know, I have too. Completely Absolutely. open target. Yeah. Um, you know, I've thrown mics just because, you know, you're trying to go through that position too fast. Um, especially for minor shooters, you know, this is going to be a little bit riskier because, again, you know, throwing Charlies and Deltas is going to hurt a lot on your hit factor for, uh, sure. for dropping those points. So, you know, these are caveats, but, you know, you'll see some of the, the higher-end shooters. Um, they're going to be blasted through some of those uh, those hoser positions. Yeah, but those sissy uh, minor shooters don't have recoil like us. <laughs> <laughs> they get that nice soft 130 power factor ammo that yeah. doesn't recoil, right? Oh man, that comp just adds so much recoil. I can't, <laughs> just can't deal with it. <laughs> but yeah, so moving on, uh, we're going to talk about drills. So I think Keanu is more familiar with this particular drill for shooting on the move. Uh, so I'll let him take it away. Yeah, so this is the the Steve Anderson 24 Alphas drill. I'm a big fan of. This is actually what got me very confident with shooting on the move because I had a 
I had a big issue with it. I used to not like doing it before um, because whenever I did it, I always did it wrong. And, you know, I wouldn't track the front sight properly. I wouldn't get low enough and all that stuff. So what the Steve Anderson 24 Alpha drill is, you basically basically set up an El Prez target array. So you set up three open targets. You can do it at whatever range you want. Um, I tend to do a little bit further. So maybe 15 to 20 yards um, for the boxes or, for, or from the target. But it's an L-Press target array, so you know, three open targets, one yard apart. And then you combine that with a box drill. So basically you have, you can get uh, like athletic cones or like whatever they're called. Or, you know, you can use chairs. You can use whatever you want. Fault lines, yeah, magazines. You, want, you, you just want to mark a position, right? One position to the next. And you're going to set up a box. And then starting in one corner, you want to move to the next corner on the beep. And from, from the initial start to the end... Uh, or uh, I'm sorry, to the second position you're trying to get to. You want to shoot every single target on the move. And you want to shoot all, you know, with two shots each. So you want to shoot all three targets, six rounds, um, all into the alpha. That's the goal before you hit the next position. So if it means shooting slower, then you have to shoot slower. If it means shooting faster, then it means shooting faster, right? So, the, so you don't want to overrun the position. And if you shoot a little too fast but you still get your hits, I always call that good. If you don't, then you clearly still have yeah. a little bit of work to, to, you know, to work on. And then it's, it's basically forward movement, side movement, backwards movement, and then side movement again. So, yeah. you, so it, 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 it's a box drill, but you're doing three different targets. And you know, the good thing about this drill too is that you're really working on lateral movement as well. You know, earlier we're talking about entrances and exits, which are usually backing up or going forward. Yeah. Um, what this drill will also really help you do is, you know, figuring out what it takes to stabilize the dot if you're, you know, cross-stepping or side-stepping. Yeah. And uh, you'll do position. a really good job learning how much air you're allowed to have. Um, and then, like, even the even with this drill, you can you can change it up and just have one target too, and just run a regular box drill. Except instead of shooting a certain amount of shots, you can fire as many shots as possible. Which I've done this before. I think it's really good. You shoot as many shots as possible onto that one target and see how many of them you get hits on, or or how well you get hits on. And you just want to do it, you know, because you, you want to push yourself in practice, right? Um, especially when it comes to a skill as involved as this one, as shooting on the move. Yeah, and, you know, the, the harder the practice is, you, you know, um, I think we've seen this when we switch to IPSC targets for practice. Um, regular targets just become so much bigger, you, you know, even at yeah, the, the same Yeah, the targets are so much bigger than, yeah. than IPSCs. And so, as, you know, Kandu mentioned, you know, 15 to 20 yards for this drill. You know, it seems kind of far at the beginning, but, you know, the more you practice it, you know, your 10-yard movers are just going to become so much easier when you're actually shooting in a match, so. Yeah, and, and that's, you know, tw 20 yards for shooting on the move is objectively pretty difficult. I, th I think most shooters would agree, yeah. Yeah. Um, and then I think Ben Steger has a good drill as well. Um, it's in his dry fire. I'm sorry, not dry fire. Uh, uh, what was it? Skills and drills. Skills and drills reloaded. I, I wouldn't know. I actually don't have any dry fire books. It's well, terrible. That's because you can't read. So. Yeah. <laughs> hey. Hey. <laughs> you only read Korean, right? Well, that's debatable. <laughs> so the um, Ben Steger does a really good drill where it's the easy exit slash entrance where you basically have three targets set up. You have two targets set up from one position. They're both open targets. And then you have one target that you enter on, um, and it's an open target in the second position. Basically, the goal of the drill would be to kind of shoot your way out of the first position and shoot your way into the first position. It's a very, very simple drill, but I think it's super, super effective. Nice. Yeah, I, sh I should try it sometime because I actually have not heard of this one. But um, maybe, maybe next time at the range, if we get a chance to get a bay, 
Um, it'll definitely be a good one to work on. Yeah, for sure. I think the range has just been getting torn up lately yeah. by mud. <laughs> yep. All right, so let's talk about dry fire. Um, you know, because this is probably the the main place where you'll work on the movement portion of it. Um, you know, recoil control will come with live fire. Um, but I think the main focus for dry firing on entries and exits is getting the gun up uh, at the right time, yep. essentially. Um, so the one thing that you'd be working on when you're dry firing is essentially when you're moving from one position to another, finding out how much distance you actually need to shuffle your feet enough to get that gun up, to get it stabilized so that you're on target. Yeah, and especially since... I've seen a lot of people do this when they get a little too eager on the on the gun coming into a position. They tend to punch out way too much, and what happens is when you punch out a lot is you you jar the gun a lot on the presentation, and then it ends up sending that front sight everywhere, which means you know where your front sight goes, your shot's going to go. Yeah, and I, I think uh, John Vlieger, I, I really like his footwork on this particular aspect. You know, coming into a position, and so. Um, he, he likes to shuffle his feet coming into position, which is something that you'll see in a lot of sports where, you know, footwork is really important. Yeah, where and, deceleration is important. Yeah, right? and so pretty much what that allows you to do is that it allows you to stay pretty agile on your feet while closing distance and not having to be, you know, flat-footed or you're, you're not really digging your heels in to slow yourself down. So what this will do is that you get a nice linear decrease in speed so you have a good chance to get that gun up. And that it's pretty stable once, you know, the, your gun pushes out and you're back on target. Yeah, I wouldn't even necessarily say this is exclusive to Vlieger. Like any any high-level shooter or any even, you know, a good M or A shooter, you're going to see do, doing this, mm -hmm. right? The only difference is how fast a, a GM can decelerate and yeah. get their gun up versus how fast an A-class shooter or M-class shooter can do it, right? Yeah, and I'll find myself very often at local matches, even, you know, the major that I shot, uh, my gun just comes up too late. You know, I'm, I'm too focused on the running or the position. And so it's something that I'm still working on is to make sure, you know, I know how much distance I need so that I can, you know, decelerate at a good pace, stabilize and get that gun up. Yeah, I, th I think a good rule of thumb, I, I know you said like the last few steps into the position, but I, I think as you start to slow down, the moment you start slowing down, you start wanting, you know, you want to build that presentation. So that way, by the time you hit that position, because you only have three or four steps into the deceleration before, mm -hmm. you, before you're going to want to start shooting, right? Yeah. And, um, you know, kind of, kind of a part of that, the deceleration portion as well. Um, you know, when we talk about short distances and kind of shooting on the move, uh, one really bad habit that I've had personally is that even if it's, let's say, you know, a 10-foot distance change between one position and going into another position, um, I'll break my grip with my, off, my weak hand, I'll start pumping my arms in a position, and then before I know it, um, I'm actually too late to get the gun up. And so one thing that, I, you know, we saw Tilly do at south carolina which i've started to adapt actually pretty quickly was, was during those short movements tilly will actually keep both of his hands on the gun um, he'll pump his elbows instead of his arms to get into position and that'll allow you to get the gun up uh, way quicker to shoot on your entrance yeah i think it's kind of like when you see chickens move they always flap their wings when they want to get going really fast you know that's their explosive movement and i think tilly does a really really good job um emulating a chicken when he <laughs> when he, when he shoots because he like he flaps his elbows and it, it I think he does a really good job. Like it, it helps you throw your weight out. Yeah, it, it builds the inertia without having to break the gun and yeah. you're pumping your arms. Uh, mm -hmm. But super grand champ. Rip. Rip. Yeah. Rip in pieces. Um, yeah. And then I think the last thing I have to say about the dry fire though is you have to be honest with it. Period. And that goes for that, that's not just for dry fire trying to practice shooting on the move. That's dry fire. Period. You know. So if you're shooting a dot, when you press the trigger, you want to know that even though a bullet's not coming out. You still want to treat it like shooting in that you see the dot, you see the dot on the target, you press the trigger, 
that's going to be the equivalent of a bullet hitting it, right? You're going to call your shot on dry, in dry fire. With iron sights, you want to make sure your rear and front sights are lined up with the target, and you, you, and you want to make sure when you press the trigger, that bullet or the theoretical bullet is going to go exactly into the target where you want it to go. Yeah, especially for shooting on the move. You know, if you're doing two aces or something, um, you know. Four aces. Oh, four aces, yeah, excuse me. Um, you know, some of the shots, even if you're not honest with your dry fire, you'll still probably throw a Charlie and whatnot. But again, if you're shooting on the move, this is where you'll really drop points if you're not honest with your shot calling. Yes. Yeah. Because, you know, since you are shooting on the move, uh, you'll, you know, it's not just going to be, you're, you're not just going to be shooting a Charlie instead of an Alpha or a Delta instead of a Charlie. You'll be, be throwing you'll, mics. You'll be throwing mics, and that's really going to hurt you. Yeah. So you want to build the habit that, you know, when you're shooting on the move, you want to, you want to know where your front sight is. You want to know how much, how much information you need. Uh, with your sight picture before you start pressing the trigger. Yeah. Right. So, speaking of that, when do you not want to shoot on the move? Um, for me, I think this is for everybody. It really depends on what your skill level is. Uh, not to say, you know, if you're not comfortable with it, don't try it in a match because level ones and practices, you know, that's usually where you want to practice these skills. Um, but the probably the main one that I stay away from is usually headbox targets. I will never. <laughs> Well, I don't, I, don't, I don't want to say never, but I'll usually be hesitant trying to shoot on the move on a headbox target. And, you know, I call them danger targets. I think people call them something else, but pretty much if you're... High disaster factor, <laughs> that's what people like to say. <laughs> yeah, like if you're looking at targets that, you know, are... It's just an A zone at 15 yards with two no-shoots on both sides. Like, that's... Yeah, you obviously don't want to take that on the move, right? Unless you're, you know, super, super skilled like... Or like like Eduardo or Ben on visual steroids. Yeah. <laughs> so, but yeah, um, it it does depend on the shooter skills. So, like Chris was saying, he does he's not comfortable shooting headshots on the move for the most part. I think in Florida State there were a few positions where I think you you definitely benefited from being able to shoot a headshot on the move, and it wasn't necessarily a far target either. It was maybe five yards, uh, and I saw a bad. lot of people chickened out on shooting on the move because they saw the risk in it. Yeah. But I think. At that point, if you got the deceleration right, you time the shots right. You know, if you if you track the track the sights and everything, on the first and second shot, you're gonna have no issue. But the a lot, like but the issue is when people try and shoot on the move, they over they they over uh, overestimate their abilities, right? Yeah, yeah, and you know this is you know this also comes down to skill set, right? So for you, for example, or I guess not you in particular, Keanu, but as a shooter, you're not comfortable taking, a, you know, a shot at a partial on the move. It's going to benefit you more to slow down, take that position, make the shot versus throwing a mic, most likely. Um, and so this is, you know, I think this is where practice is really going to dictate whether you should be shooting that particular array on the move or not. Yeah. Um, but it's something that you also have to experiment with. If you're just constantly uncomfortable with the same array, uh, you're never going to try to take it on the move. So you've just got to practice it and, you know. Uh, you know, you, yeah. you've got to throw some risk in to get better. For sure. And I think both you and I have gotten pretty good at, at assessing targets and positions and determining whether or not we're going to want to shoot them on the move, right? Yeah. Yep. And then the next portion, I would say that, you know, for me, what I've started learning, I guess, about in terms of when not to shoot on the move is when there's, in, there's not enough distance for you to actually gain benefit from backing out of a position. Um, so I actually did this at South Carolina. So there was a, an array of open targets on the draw that you could back out of. But essentially, you're backing out blind because you're backing out backwards. Um, and you actually only needed about two or three steps to see the next target array in your transition. Uh, but what happened with me is that I backed out a little too much because I was hesitant on one of the partials coming out. Um, and then before I knew it, I had turned around, went in for the transition, 
took a couple of extra steps to kind of dig in for my shooting. And I had pretty much overrun the position to the point where I had to run around a wall versus just running right by it. Yeah, I did the exact same thing on the exact same stage. Yeah. Right. So, so we backed out instead of taking two steps, we took four steps. And as a result, you know, we were four, you know, we were four to six feet further than we needed to be, mm-hmm. which was just far enough to cause enough time loss, I think, in the movement to the next position. Yeah, I feel like, you know, if we were if we were splitting faster, because, you know, the slower you split generally while you're on the move, you're going to cover more distance. Um, I feel like if our splits were a little bit faster, if we we're a little bit more methodical, it would have been really nice where you just back out two steps, uh, have a hard, you know, 180 degree transition, and, you know, you're on target for that. But we, we kind of missed the ball on that. But uh, it's, you know, it helps, it helped me learn at least to understand that sometimes just because you can doesn't mean you should. Yeah, it really depends on, you have to evaluate the entire stage or at least that portion of the stage to determine whether it's going to be worth it or not. Because, you know, like we said, it doesn't affect just the position you're, you're coming out of, it affects the position you're going into. For sure. Um, let's see. And then, you know, I think the other part where, you know, I think we touched up on this as well is, you know, if, if there's a potential for you to drop points, it's generally better not to. It depends. It, 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 that really depends, though, I think. Mm-hmm. If, if we're talking dropping points as in accumulating penalties, yeah, that's going to be a big no uh, um, from me. But if you're talking about dropping a couple Charlies um, over, or like an Alpha Charlie versus two Alpha, right? or two Charlies versus an Alpha Charlie, or two Alpha even. If you can save enough time on that, on that position, it's going to be worth it, even if it means you're dropping a couple points. Yeah. Especially since you and I are shooting major, mm-hmm. it's, it's a big difference. Um, but again, you, have, you really have to assess the whole, you know, you have to look at it from a big picture mm-hmm. in terms of the stage and that position and what's coming up next yeah. to determine whether that's going to be worth it or not. So... You know, like we said, points depends. Penalties, for sure. You you definitely have to assess whether, whether the penalties are worth it. Yeah. Or potential for penalties. We're not going to say just because you're shooting a no shoot on the or a half no shoot on the move, you're going to shoot the no shoot. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> not um, say I haven't done it before, but <laughs> oh, I'm I'm pretty sure I have too. I've also I definitely shot some walls last week trying to get a little <laughs> aggressive shooting on the move. Yeah. Um, um, and then shooting steel on the move too. Yeah. I think a lot of people tend to overestimate their ability doing this and I see a lot of people doing it um, they'll try and get over aggressive on shooting a steel target on the move whether it be a mini popper or a full size or even a full size popper yeah and what as a result you know steel makeups are costly you and I know that it's you know if, if you take two or three makeups in steel that's cumulatively a couple seconds almost yeah you're, just you're essentially doubling your time on a, on a target on a single target yeah. right so you have to be sure it, like like we said, it depends on the skill. Um, I don't really have a problem shooting full-size poppers on the move, depending on their distance. If they're close enough, like, I, I want to say 12, 12 to maybe 15 yards, mm-hmm. I, could, I, I could nail a full-size popper on the move. Yeah, and I right? think... We, we and you, saw, and you, you could too, I think. Yeah, and so I saw this at Area 8 last year. Um, there was one stage, you had two shooting boxes pretty much, kind of one further back, one further, you know, closer to the front of the bay. Yeah. Um, you, I think there were four full-size steel poppers, those brown poppers, that you could take on the move to hit a far target on the right that was uh, essentially being covered by barrels. Um, if, you know, people who are too confident on that would take that on the move and then have to make up so much on steel. And, you know, I think the, the big poppers are... Um, they're almost deceptive on how like penalizing they can be to your score. Yeah, for sure. 
Um, so, you know, this is something you practice and, you know, if you can keep that gun steady and you're, you know, you've got a dead center hold on that, you know, that big steel plate on that popper, then, you know, you're probably going to be fine out to a certain distance. Yeah. And you just have to remember the, the, the amount of target you have on steel is substantially less, even on a full size popper is so much less than a paper target. Cause even if you just shoot a Delta, that's still a point versus a mic, right? Or yeah. two points. Mm -hmm. So that, that's something you have to evaluate and that's something... I think when it comes to shooting steel on the move, you have to be absolutely confident in your skill. Yep. Yep. And, you know, again, your movement's gotta, just got to be spot on. You've got to have a stable uh, presentation of the gun. Your sights need to be stable. And uh, from there, it's, you know, it's going to help you build your points. It's going to help you be faster shooting on the move. So, um, yeah, to kind of conclude, though, I feel like everything that we've talked about is, you know, it, it depends. Um, and, you know, at times it's going to be really hard to tell if a position is worth shooting on the move. And if it's actually, you know, it's going to be a learning curve for you as an individual shooter to dictate, uh, you know, is it worth it for you or is it not? Yeah, for, for sure. And it's, it depends is really like the, that's the <laughs> answer to the question of life itself, it seems, or the question of USPSA itself. Um, yeah. It's, you know, it is just practice in the end, right? Mm -hmm. Nothing anyone does in, in practical shooting, I think, is unattainable. Or isn't unattainable? Is I don't know. It's attain anything is essentially nothing's <laughs> yeah. impossible for you as a shooter. Yeah, everything is possible in the end. You just have to be willing to put the time and effort into yep. it. And shooting on the move is one of those small things you can work on every single day and dry fire for like 10, 15 minutes, and it can you'll see a huge net benefit, like huge. Mm -hmm. It's it's an enormous difference in terms of overall performance for a stage or even a match if there's enough of it, right? Yeah, and I feel like, you know, no matter what, as your shooting evolves, you know, the things that you need to do and what you need to practice for shooting on the move is gonna constantly evolve as well. So I don't think it's, you know, something that you learn once and you're good. I feel like even the top GMs are always just constantly yep, you're working always it. developing it, right? You're always trying to find a way to do it better, do it faster, do it cleaner. Yep, so it's gonna be a journey for, for all of us. It's a journey for me and, you know, it's probably not gonna stop, so. For sure. Well, yep. Guys, thank you for listening to the CSRG podcast. I'm Keanu. And I'm Chris. Shoot well. We'll see you on the range. Nice. Dude, that was good.